Let's pray one more time. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now, for those who raised their hand this morning and said, I'm not sure if I die to go to heaven. Lord, there's no one that wants to embarrass anybody here. The greatest thrill in all the world is to know that your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven. And Lord, for Christians who really love you, they want others to have that great thrill as well. I pray tonight that you'd speak to to our hearts. I ask, Lord Jesus, tonight, if there's that one that two or three that are not sure that tonight would be the night that they would settle it. For those who are Christians, Lord, maybe there's some areas in their life that you've already spoken to them this morning through songs, through your word. And I pray tonight as well that that same thing would happen. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you all have a good day? Amen. Okay, let's give Uncle Paul a big hand, okay? Okay. This morning we talked about uh, the Bible says that God wants us to grow, but grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord in 2 Peter chapter 3 and 18, if you remember. And we talked about the fact that grace is the part of, you know, that you just enjoy what God has done for you. You know, that's like communion, the Lord's Supper. Remember what God has done for you. And then the knowledge part. We talked about four things this morning that God says... He wants you to grow that He wants you to know about. He says, first, to be mindful. Hey, don't forget, you know, God created everything. God judged everything in the flood. And guess what? He's going to judge everything again. The next one was, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of the fact that God says, hey, I want want people not to go to hell but go to heaven. God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Then we talked about the fact that God says, hey, be diligent. Be diligent to be found in Him. Live right. Live for the Lord. And then the last one, beware. Be careful about other people leading you astray. And uh, tonight I would like to take part of that uh, and show you a little little video here. Of um, We talked about witnessing for the Lord. And um, this is called the Evangelism Linebacker. You all seen this? Institute for Student Ministries, we've discovered a new method of evangelism that is shaking the very foundation of our people. It may appear unorthodox, but frankly, we're shocked at the results. We're amazed at this revolutionary idea, especially designed to boost student evangelism. Why do I want to be an evangelism linebacker? Let me put it to you like this.
Institute for Student Ministries, we've discovered a new method of evangelism that is shaking the very foundation of our thinking. Okay, so don't forget, evangelize. Okay. There's this guy, he went to this uh, chicken place, fried chicken place, and he wanted to get two, uh, two dinners for him and his girlfriend. And so he goes up and he orders two dinners, and uh, they gave him this bag. The guy came up and gave him a bag, and him and his girlfriend, they went out to the park, and he sat down and um, opened up the bag, and there was over 800 bucks in there. He's saying, what in the world is going on? He grabbed the bag, put the money back in, went on, and went back to the store and said, hey, I ordered two chicken dinners and got all this money here. And uh, so uh, the person says, oh, man, you're wonderful. I can't believe you've got to be the most honest guy in the world. He said, we put that money in the bag, um, that bag because we're going to take it to the bank and we were trying to disguise it, you know. And, uh, man, you, you, you are you are wonderful. We'll give you your chicken dinners, but wait here. We're going to call the uh, newspaper and we're going to put your picture in the paper. He said, no, 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 you can't do that. He said, yeah, man. He said, you're the most honest guy in the world. And he says, the guy got real close to the counter. He said, come here. 
He said, you can't do that. He said, why not? He said, because the woman I'm with is not my wife. He said, just give me my two chicken dinners, will you? And I'll be on my way. You know, sometimes there are people who they seem to be okay, but they're not okay. And tonight, I want to talk about being damaged merchandise. You've probably seen this Vonage commercial here where this guy's cutting this tree, and just a little bit right after that, man, that tree falls down on that car. You could get a good deal on that car. And uh, I can remember a number of years ago in uh, Bristol, we had a, in April, we had a gigantic hailstorm. In fact, all the, half the leaves came off the trees because they were out. It was a little bit past this time. And... Uh, there was all kinds of cars that were for sale that next week. Hail damage. Great prices. You know what it was? They were, these cars were damaged. They didn't want to have to go through and fix all of the dings and dents that were in those cars. How many have ever been to Big Lots? Can I see your hands? Okay, all right. Big Lots, Big Lots. Okay. You know what most of the stuff is at Big Lots, like uh, the electronic stuff and so forth? It's stuff that people have sent back. It's either been damaged or it's broken or something. They repair it, and then they sell it at a discount price. It was damaged merchandise. Sometimes you see clearance. You know, it's stuff that is uh, broken or damaged in some way, and they're going to give you a good deal on it. Well, tonight, I want to talk about this idea that Satan wants to damage us. Do you know the Bible says that Satan walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour? You know that's written to? A lot of times people say, oh man, that's for those who are not Christians. No, that was written to Christians. The Bible tells us that Satan wants to, in fact, Jesus said this to Peter. He said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you. He wants to run you through the ringer. He wants somehow to cause you to give up and not serve me with your life. And so tonight, as we look at this whole idea of damaged merchandise... Let me give you a couple other figures here. 74% of young people say that they're trying to figure out the purpose and the meaning in their life. 56% said they desire to make a difference in the world. Maybe that's you saying, hey, I'd like to make a difference in the world. 56% said they desire to influence other people's lives. Maybe there's someone that you're here this weekend and you say, man, you know, I'm having a hard time at home or whatever or at school. There's some things I've been involved in. And maybe you've latched on to that person. You say, you know what? I really want to make a difference in that person's life. And that's great. Maybe as a counselor you're here and you say, I want to make a difference in a, in a teenager's life. 89% said that one person can make a difference in the world. I believe that. I believe one person can make a difference in the world. 65% of these teens that were, that were polled here said they want a close relationship with God. That's authentic and passionate, authentic, the real thing. They, wanted some, they, they want to know that God loves them and that they're close to God and that God is close to them. Here's some of the ones we looked at. I want to review just a couple of these and look at this from a different angle. We talked about those that, in this poll, some 4,500 young people. 74% Christian kids said they cheat on school tests. We've already mentioned that. 83% said they lie to their teachers. 93% said they lied to their parents. And you raised your hand today. And you said, you know, that you have too. 40% said it was necessary to cheat to get ahead. 60% said cheating does not violate their personal code of right and wrong. 
62% said it's not cheating if you don't get caught. No more than a 4% difference from those who profess no Christianity at all to those who are Christians. No, no more than a 4% difference in lifestyle, in the way that we live, our moral behavior. And here's that quote again. Accepting Christ and making a profession of faith today makes little to no difference in a young person's attitude and behavior. Now, this is what I want to get to. Look at this. A majority of Americans make a lasting determination of Christ's death and resurrection by age 12. You know what? I've asked this in my church. I've, I've been in lots of places and, and have asked this question. How many of you trusted Christ between the ages of 5 and 12? The majority of the hands, thanks, the majority of the hands go up. And I see that hand. And uh, you know, then you look at uh, from age 13 to 18, and the number's smaller. From 18 to 25, it shrinks even more. You go from 25 to the 50s, my age, and you know what you discover? Man, there's not a whole lot of people that come to Christ. If you go from 50 on up to 80, and it's just about next to none. You know, I was witnessing to a guy one time. There was a man in West Virginia who was in the hospital, and I was pastoring a church there, and, and I went to see one of the men in the church. He said, preacher, he said, would you talk to this guy? He was in his 80s, and he's in a wheelchair. He's sitting there by the door, and he said he doesn't know Jesus as a Savior. And he said, I've been talking to him. And uh, so I started to talk to him, and uh, I got kind of down on my knees, just kind of like this, and I kind of next to the wheelchair, and I was talking to him about the Lord, and he just took me and he pushed me. He said, get out of my face. He said, I've lived my life the way I've wanted to for 80-some years. Don't tell me what I need to do. Don't tell me I need to be saved. I don't want to hear that stuff. And, you know, I started to, I started to cry because I thought, man, this guy's going to die soon. And he said, I quit that weepy stuff. I don't want to hear that. He said, I'm not interested in that stuff. Get out of here. He said, I've done what I've wanted to do, and I'm going to die, and I don't believe there's a heaven and hell. I, I got news for him. You know something? That was back in the 70s. I have news for that guy. He's no doubt he's not made it uh, unless he trusted Christ as a Savior. He's dead now. And if he didn't trust Jesus as a Savior, he's in hell. Now look at this. In a national survey, the belief profile is identical for 13-year-olds and adults. You say, big deal, preacher. What's that mean? Well, this is what it means. In essence, what you believe by the time you're 13 is what you'll die believing. You got that? What you believe by the time you're 13. How many of you in this room are at least 13? Can I see? Okay. What you believe right now about this book and about God, unless there's some radical change in your life, is what you will die believing. Are you content with that? I have to tell you, I'm glad that's not the way that it was in my life. I'm glad that there was a time that I trusted Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. So, I want to talk about three things tonight with this damaged merchandise. The Bible says to us that somehow I can have my conscience, my very being, seared. Anybody know, what's the word seared mean? Anybody know? Okay, yes, sir. Okay, it's a burn, okay. In fact, we do something to cows, calves. What do they do? They brand them. You know what that is? They sear them, if you will. Um, Colt back there, uh, you know what? I can remember when I started playing a guitar. 
and um, I was, had a guy come to my house, and uh, he said, now I'll be able to tell if you practice or not. I thought, oh, yeah, right. And so uh, he came, and he showed me some stuff, and he said, okay, I'll be back next week. He said, I expect you to, to practice at least half an hour today. He said, I'll be able to tell. And so I fooled around, you know, and I, I didn't practice a half hour every day because it hurt, just to be quite honest. It hurts your fingers hitting on those, uh, on those strings. And so uh, he uh, came to the house, and he said, okay, let's play this t- together, this thing. And uh, so I, I started, he said, you didn't practice. He said, let me see your fingers. He said, you didn't practice. And he said, I told you I could tell. He said, now here's the deal. He said, you either practice a half hour every day this coming week, he says, or next week will be my last week. So, okay. So I did it. I, st- I started practicing about 45 minutes every day. About the third day, my fingers started bleeding. And, man, they were sore. And um, so he come back the next week, and he didn't even ask me to play anything. He said, let me see your fingers. He looked at my fingers. He said, okay, you've been practicing. <laughs> you know? He saw that, man, they were cracked and they had been bleeding. I got calluses on my fingers now. You know, I could play for, for hours and hours. It doesn't bother me, just like you guys, you know, because it built up. You know what that is? You know what a callus is? It's past feeling. The Bible says, listen to this, having your conscience seared with a hot iron. It is possible to be past feeling. That it doesn't bother you anymore when you do. You ever notice something? If you lie one time, you get away with it, you say, hey, next time it becomes just a little bit easier. Here's a guy who uh, was really good at lying. Listen to this. Police officer pulled over this guy for speeding, and they had the following exchange. It went something like this. The policeman said, may I see your driver's license? The driver said, hey, man, I don't have one. I had it suspended when I got my fifth drunk driving thing. Officer said, well, may I see your owner's card for the vehicle? He said, man, it's not my car. I stole it. The car stolen, the officer said. The driver said, yeah, that's right. But come to think of it, I think I did see the owner's card in the glove box when I was putting my gun in there. The cop said, there's a gun in your glove box? He said, yes, sir. That's where I put it after I shot and killed the woman who owns this car and stuffed her in the trunk. There's a body in the trunk? Yes, sir. Hearing this, the the police officer, he called his captain right away to to come out because he was really, felt like it was a pretty tense situation. So the captain comes up to the driver. He says, sir, can I see your driver's license? The driver says, sure, here it is. It was valid. It was a good one. Captain says, whose car is this? The driver said, it's mine, sir. He said, here's my uh, registration card, my owner's card. Captain looked at it. He said, well, okay. He said, can you open the glove box real slowly? He said, I want to see if there's a gun in there. Yes, sir. He said, I'll open it, but there's no gun in there, officer. Sure enough, there was nothing in there. Captain says, well, can I ask you, would you mind opening the trunk for me? And I was told there's a body in it. Driver says, no problem, officer. Opens the trunk up, no body. Captain said, man, I don't understand. The officer stopped you, said that you told him you didn't have a license, you stole the car, you had a gun in the glove box, and there was a dead woman in the trunk. And the driver said, yeah, and I'll bet you he told you I was speeding too, didn't he? You know what? That's a pretty good lie. That's a pretty good trick, if you will. And sometimes, as, as Christians, we can get to the place where we can become seared, just like that hot iron, if you will, just like that calf. You know what? Hear that little calf cry out when it's, when it's branded? 
and then all of a sudden it runs off. But you know what? You could take that cow and you could stick it with a pin right there. You know what? After that thing heals up and it's not going to bother it in the least because it, it is seared. It is past feeling. The Bible says that we can have our conscience, if you will, seared. But there's something else that the Bible says. The Bible goes on to tell us not only can our, our conscience... In fact, here's another verse, 1 Peter 3.16. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation, literally your good conduct in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bible, here's another one, Ephesians 4.19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. You guys listen. You know what? There's a great passage in the Old Testament. The Bible, you all know this story. You had it in Sunday school. You remember when uh, Moses came to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, okay. Then he changed his mind. The Bible says he, what did he do? He what? Hardened? Hardened his heart. And, you know, Moses says, okay, you're going to get frogs, you're going to get flies, you know, all these things. And every time it says he hardened his heart, hardened his heart, hardened his heart, hardened his heart. But listen what took place the last time. The most, I guess, uh, eye-opening verse in the Bible is this. Did you know that God sometimes says this? I've had enough. I think he does it to Christians. I know he does. 1 John chapter 5 says there is a sin unto death. He's talking to Christians. God can say, okay, I've had enough. Come on home. But you know what? He can say to unsaved people as well. Pharaoh hardened his heart. God gave him a chance. He hardened his heart. All those times, the last time it says this, young people, it does not say that Pharaoh hardened his heart. It says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. You say, that's not fair. That's not fair. It is fair. God gave him chance after chance after chance after chance. And he kept saying no. But the last time, the last time, God said, okay, I'm not going to give you a chance this time. I'm going to harden your heart. And God can do that to you. You can, you can have your conscience. You know, it's past feeling. You keep doing wrong, doing wrong, watching the wrong things, listening to the wrong things, going to wrong places, involved with the wrong people. And the Bible says that every time you can be hardened, 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 and then finally God says, that's it. I've had enough. I'll give you chance after chance after chance. And so God goes on and he talks about not only this aspect of being seared, but the Bible tells us that we can be short-sighted. You say, what's that? Not able to see right. 1 John 2 verse 11 says this, But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You know, there's this little boy who's about 10 years old. And his name was Robbie. And everywhere Robbie went, he was a nightmare. He'd go into doctor's offices and they'd want to do stuff. He said, Dad, don't you do that. I'll take my clothes off. And that's what he threatened his mom and dad. And he threatened the doctors. And so he was trying to get his teeth worked on one day. And this doctor said, man, I've had enough. He went out and told his mom. He said, I can't work on him. You know, he won't do anything. He won't sit in the chair. Yeah, he won't listen. He said, I know this dentist that works with kids. And he said, why don't you take him over there? And so the mother made an appointment and took him over there. And so uh, the dentist said to him, and he had, uh, he had two assistants, two nurses in there with him. 
And he says, okay, Robbie, jump up in the chair. Let's go. He said, you make me get in that chair, I'll take my clothes off. He said, well, that's what you want to do. That's fine. And so the little boy took his shirt off. The doctor said, okay, you done? Get up in the chair. He said, I told you, you make me get in that chair, I'll take my clothes off. He said, well, go ahead. So he took his pants off. So he's standing there with his undershirt and his underdrawers on. And um, so he says, okay, you done now? Now get up in the chair. And so the uh, little boy said, Robbie says, I told you, I told you. You make me get in that chair, take my clothes off. He said, okay. So he took his shoes and socks off. Stand there now, you know, undershirt and drawers. And uh, so uh, Dennis said, okay, Robbie, come on, get in the chair now. He said, I told you, I'm not going to do it. Take my clothes off. He said, go ahead. And so the little boy took his undershirt off. So he's just standing there now in his underwears. I'm not sure if they're briefs or boxers, but anyway. He was standing there in his underdrawers. And so um, Dennis said, okay, Robbie, you done? I hop up in the chair. Robbie said, I told you, I'm not going to do it. You make me get in that chair and I'll take my underwear off. He said, okay. So, you know, he didn't have much of a choice, you know. So he took his underwear off. Stand there stark naked. Looked like the day he was born. And uh, he's dentist is in there and the nurses are in there. The guy's 10 years old. Dennis said, okay, Robbie, get up in the chair. You know what? He couldn't say anymore. You make me do that and I take my clothes off. All of his clothes were off. He hopped up in the chair. The only thing he was wearing was, you know, that little thing that they put around you, you know. So not to get anything on you, you know, that little napkin. That's all he was wearing. And so Dennis got all done, cleaned his teeth and checking them out and so forth. And he said, okay, Robbie, we're all done, buddy. Go ahead. And Robbie said, okay, give me my clothes back. And it said, no, sir. He said, nobody challenges me that way. He said, there's the exit. You go out there and get your mom. He goes out there and opens the door up to the waiting room. His mama goes. <laughs> she grabs a magazine, places it strategically in front of him, walks him out the door, and uh, she comes back the next day, and she said, I'd like to see the dentist. The dentist thought, oh, boy, I'm in for it now. She come in, and she said, sir, she said, doctor, I just want to tell you, thank you. She said, he's been threatening my husband and me and everywhere we go. And she said, you know what? She said, he can't threaten us anymore. And, and I really thank you for what you did. You know something? There's a lot of people that try to call God's bluff. God is willing to say to you, go ahead, go ahead. You know what the Bible says? It says, God, you can request the wrong thing. And God says that he answered the children of Israel, answered their prayer for something that he did not want for them. And the Bible says that God sent leanness to their soul. There was no spiritual depth whatsoever. God can do that in your life. You say, I, I don't want to get involved in all that stuff. I just want to do that. And you know what? You can allow, allow that to take place. And God will send leanness to your soul. It's kind of like this uh, grandfather. He was sitting. Now, this used to happen. Now, I'm 55. Now, this used to happen when I was a teenager. I remember this. You know what Limburger cheese is, brother? You know what Limburger. Anybody in here knows what Limburger cheese is? Okay. We've got a couple. It really stinks. I mean stinks. We used to put it in people who were getting married, particularly if they were getting married and it was uh, they were going to turn their heater on. You stuff some up in there in the vent. They turn it on, and I tell you what, the car just stinks. 
Well, this grandfather had a mustache. And some of his grandkids, they, they put this Limburger cheese on his mustache while he was sleeping. He was sleeping in a chair, and, and they put this Limburger cheese on. And he went, woke up, and he went, man, the living room stinks. So he went out to the kitchen to get a glass of water, and he got out there and, and he went, man, the kitchen stinks too. Went into the, into the bedroom, walked in that way, said, man, the whole house stinks in here. He walked outside. He said, man, I'm going to get some fresh air. He walked, opened the door, went out in the porch and went like this. <sighs> man, he said, the whole world stinks. <laughs> and you know what? That's what happens when you lose your perspective. You become short-sighted. That it's everybody else's fault. Everybody else is, is not okay, but you're okay. Everybody else is, is, is they got a problem, but I don't got a problem. And I'm here tonight to tell you something. God says, you know what? He says, if you become short-sighted, you're blinded. Your eyes, this is talking to Christians, not unsaved people. It says your eyes are blinded and you can't see. You can't see exactly what God wants to do in your life. And I ask you a question tonight. You pass feeling? You get into that place where it doesn't bother you? I know a person who could stand and look at me and lie right in my face and not blink an eye. In fact, I know this person told another relative these words. He says, man, I'm really good at it. You know what? You can become good at something that's wrong, and you can become seared. The Bible says you can become short-sighted. And then the Bible says you can become a slave. You know, man, slavery was a, a, a real bad mark on our country. A lot of things took place. But there's been slavery not just in our country, but all over the world. And the Bible says this, While they promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also is he brought into bondage. I've heard people say sometimes, I could quit smoking anytime I want. Quit. I can quit anytime I want. Quit. I can quit anytime I quit. They can't. They're addicted. I hear someone say, I, I don't need to look at that. Then stop. I don't need to drink. Stop. You know what? Every month I go to the Haven of Rest Rescue Mission in Bristol and preach there on Friday night. There are guys that are there. They can't wait till they get out to get another drink. They are addicted. They are addicted. They are addicted. Over and over, they want it more and more in their life. Now, I want to ask you something tonight. You know, you look at these three things. You look at the fact that the Bible says, you know, you can become seared. The Bible says that not only can you be seared, but you become short-sighted. You can't see yourself the way that God wants you to see. Everybody else is wrong but you. And you've, you've, you're bound. There's this slavery, if you will. You've given in. I want to share something. You know, I have a loved one, a person that I love a whole lot. I would lay down my life for this person. I'm not just saying that. And this person is addicted to sin. They are so involved. In fact, this is what this person said to me. They said, they said, Dad, because it's my daughter. She 
She said, I don't have to answer to anybody. I just do what I think is right. And I said, it doesn't matter what you think is right. I had a phone conversation with her just last week. And she said to me, she hung up and she said, I don't want anything from you. I want something. I want her to get right with the Lord. I want her to live for Jesus. She told me that a year ago, a little over a year ago, that she trusted Christ as her Savior. She went to Tennessee Temple for a year and a half. Colt knows. But her heart is so far, far away from God. She's so far away that she's living with someone. She's not even married. And she, it's nobody's business. You know, I told her, I said, you're right. You're a big girl now. You're 22 years old. It's not my business no more. You're on your own. But I'm going to tell you something. It is God's business. God's with you every single moment. And if you're a Christian, young people, listen to me. If you're a Christian, there's a couple things that have to be true in your life. Number one, if you're living for God, you've got that, that joy in the inside. You know, hey, man, Jesus and me, we got it going. Number two, if you're not living for the Lord, the Bible says that God will chasten you. Listen to this. If you be with the old King James Version says this. If you be without chastisement, then are you bastards. You don't, man, that sounds awful saying that in public, doesn't it? You know, you know what that means? That word means illegitimate. It means you say you're a child of God, but you're not. That was the old way of saying it. You're illegitimate. You say you're a Christian, but you're not. I'm asking you tonight, I'm asking you that are here. Some of you raised your hand and you said, Brother Greg, I'm not sure if I died I'd go to heaven. You said that this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity tonight to settle that once and for all. Some of you here, we talked about growing in Christ. And we talk about Christians can do these three things. Then get seared. Get to the past place of past feeling. Then get to the place of not seeing the way that God wants us to see. Being slaves, if you will, to sin. And doing the wrong thing over and over and over again. And you're bound by it. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? In the depths of your heart right now, in the very depths of your heart, I want you to stop and think whether or not you know Christ as your Savior. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to show you a little couple slides here of how you can know for sure if you died, you go to heaven. It's not church. It's not religion. That stuff will take you to hell. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He's the way, the truth, and the life of you, as you sang it tonight. But I wonder how many of you Christians are here that you say, you know what, man, I've had enough. I have had enough of living my own way. I've had enough of of doing it my own way. And I really do want to put the Lord first. You know, there's a pastor's son, and his mother said, go wash your hands. There's a lot of germs living in that dirt. And the little boy 
refused and he complained and he said this of his house. He said, germs and Jesus, germs and Jesus. That's all I ever hear around this house and I've never seen either one. Well, Jesus is real. He died on the cross and rose again. And if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, Jesus is asking you, hey, live for me. Put me first. Give me everything. You know what? Maybe if it's just on your part, those that are Christians right now that would say, Lord, that's what I want in my life. And so I'm asking you first. How many of you say, you know what? God's spoken my heart. There's some things. And I don't have to name those things. I could care less. God knows what they are. You know what they are. And maybe it's just by you putting your hand up that will speak to that one that raised their hand this morning and said, I'm not sure if I die to go to heaven. But some of you just raise your hand and say, Brother Greg, God's spoken my heart. There's some things that I know this weekend I need to settle, and, and I'm going to settle it tonight with the Lord. I really do want to live for Him. Would you just slip your hand up? Some of you young people. Yes, thanks. Some things I need to settle with the Lord. Thanks. Anybody else? So, thank you. Thank you. Some things I need to settle with the Lord. I don't know what they are. For those who raised their hand this morning, you know what? There's some young people here that really mean business for God. I say, I really want to make a difference. The real things taking place. God, I pray. Speak to that young person. There's a number of them that said, I'm not sure if I die to go to heaven. I pray in just a moment that they would see this and understand it and trust Christ tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you look up here? I want to share a little thing called May I Ask You a Question. I use this all the time. It's a track. In fact, at the Haven of Rest, I had had four guys, I think it was three guys, gather around me after a message one night, and they said, Preacher, I want to get saved. And I just took that track out, gave one to each of them, and I said, I want to go through this with you. And uh, went through it with them, and I said, uh, Would you like to trust Christ? And, and each one said yes, and each one I asked to pray to, to trust Christ as their own personal Savior. And we were just standing there after, after everything was over. So I want to ask you a question tonight. And here's the question. Has anybody ever taken a Bible and shown you from the Bible how you can know absolutely for sure that you're going to heaven? There's some people like ivory soap. Ivory soap is 99 and 44 100% pure. You can't make it to heaven by being 99 and 44 100% sure. You either know or you don't know. You can't be a little pregnant. You're either pregnant or not pregnant. You can't be a little dead. You're either dead or you're not dead. You're either saved and on your way to heaven or not. And you see, that's really important to understand. Well, look what God says. The Bible contains bad news and good news. And the bad news is something about you, and the good news is something about God. You see, when I heard this the first time, man, I kind of reacted to it, but I knew that it was true. Well, what's the bad news? The bad news is this. The Bible says that I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. You've heard this verse. I'm not telling you anything new. 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know what that means? It means if, if that bullseye up there, God says to get to heaven, God says you've got to be perfect. Guess what? I'm not perfect. Let's say that you shot a, an arrow up there. And you got it right there where that arrow is. Then you shot an arrow. And you got even closer. And then I shot an arrow. arrow and I missed the whole target. I mean, I look really bad. You look the best because you got the closest. But if we were all trying to hit the bullseye, who missed? All of us. See, that's what the Bible says. It says your righteousness, even the right things you do, are as filthy rags. Suppose you and I would try to grab a rock and try to hit the, the North Pole. I know that sounds kind of silly. And you maybe throw the rock further than I can. But the fact is that we would all miss. When the Bible says all have sinned and fall short, it means everybody misses the mark. God says to get to heaven, you've got to be perfect. You know, but the Bible goes on that says something even more startling. That's bad. I'm a sinner. But it goes on to say this. It gets worse. It says that the wages of sin is death. You see that money? When you work someplace, you get paid for what you do, not what you don't do. God says to each of us, He says, the wages of sin is death. Suppose you work for one day and I paid you $50. That's $50. That would be your wage. That's what you earned. Well, what's the Bible say? The Bible says that by sinning you earn death. What is death? Death means separation. If If you've ever had a loved one die, a couple years ago my mom died. And I did her funeral. And you you know what? I'm separated from her. I can't see her anymore. She lived in my house for eight and a half years. Death means separation. That's what God says. There's a separation. God says this. He said, what has separated you from me? And the Bible says, sin has separated you. But you know, that's bad. You're a sinner. And because of your sin, you're going to die and go to hell. But there's some good news, the Bible says. And here it is. The first thing is this. The Bible says Christ died for you. God showed His love to us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see that picture up there? I mean this with all my heart. I told you about my daughter. I love her with all my heart. I have three children. I have prayed this prayer many times. God, if taking my life would bring my daughter back to you, do it. I love her that much. You know, the Bible says that Christ took your sins, you guys. Suppose somehow if you had cancer, and I said, hey, I'll take your cancer cells, put them in my body so that you can live. What would happen to me if I took your cancer cells? I'd die. You'd live. That's exactly what the Bible says that Christ did. He took your sins. He bore your sins in His his body, the Bible says. He died in your place. See, Jesus didn't come to the earth to show you how to just show you how to live. He didn't show you how to come just to worship. He died in your place. He paid for your sins. The Bible says that Christ took the penalty for our sins... He died on the cross. He cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know what took place? You know, I don't, I don't really don't get this because I don't want to do this to my children. God the Father 
turned his back on his son, Jesus. And so Jesus cried out. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? Because God can't look on sin. And the son, the son took our sin. He died. They buried him in a tomb. And three days later, he rose again to prove that he conquered sin and death. The good news gets better, though. You know something? Those of you who raised your hand this morning, you can be saved. You say, saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved from your sin. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. What does faith mean? Faith means to trust. I bet you trust that chair right now. I know you do because you're sitting on it. You know? That's what trust means. You know the word faith means to, to put your weight on something? That's what it really means. It means to rely on, to trust, to cast your weight upon. That's what God asks you to do. And so the Bible tells us, you say, well, that's great, preacher, but uh, hey, I go to church, I don't steal, I'm a good person, I help the poor, I'm religious. And you know what? You can't go to heaven with all those things. Jesus said this, red letters. Jesus said, many will come to me in that day. Now listen, young people. And they will say, Lord, Lord. They know him. They know something about him. Have we not done many wonderful things in your name? I went to church. I put money in the offering. I sang. I mean, I sang with cult. And you know what? Jesus will say, Depart from me. I never knew you. You see, all those things don't get a person to, to heaven. The only thing that gets to heaven is Jesus Christ and trusting Him. So let me ask you this. Is there anything that's stopping you right now? You raised your hand this morning. Is there anything, and maybe others who are in here, anything right now stopping you from trusting Christ as your Savior? You say, well, I'm not sure what my friends will say. I told you what my friends did to me big deal. I'm going to heaven. What will my parents think? What will this person think? Do I have to give this up? Do I have to stop that? What is it that you'd say, this, this would stop me? And you know what? Those, those reasons are not important. Right now, in the depths of your heart, if you talk to God and you say something like this, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I know if I died like I was right now, I'd go to hell. And I believe that, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. And I'm asking you to be my Savior and forgive me of my sins. Young people, if you do that tonight, Jesus will save you. Let's pray. I'm going to leave that prayer up there. And this is what I'd like to ask you to do tonight. In just a moment, we're going to be dismissed in prayer. And if you'd like to know for sure, if you died, you go to heaven. The counselors are here. Just going to ask you to stay back. Stay here. Stay in your seat. And one of the counselors will come to you and show you how you can right now trust Christ. In fact, you can do it right now. You don't have to even wait for a counselor. I'm just explaining it to you.
you can trust Christ right now. You can say, God, I believe that. I'm trusting Jesus right now. Maybe some of you need to make some decisions. Maybe you need to pray with someone. Maybe you need to pray with a counselor because you haven't been living right for the Lord. Possibility of getting your conscience seared. Not seeing things the way God wants you to see them. You become a slave to doing the wrong things. God, I pray for each of these young people tonight. I pray particularly for those who raised their hand this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that they're talking to You right now and asking You to be their Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uncle Paul.